Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey, Studio DNA fans. I'm Chad, a new podcast host here on the network. I'd like to invite you to check out my new show called Hot Takeout, where I mix together some of my favorite things, fast food and musical artists. When you listen, you'll get that feeling you have when you get an onion ring in the bottom of your french fries. It's a win. We'll dig deep with the artists. We'll find out what inspires them and what foods they have to stay away from. And we're also playing fast food games, which will also make sense when you listen. So check out the Hot Takeout podcast streaming right now here on the Studio DNA podcast network live from a bunker in the heart of the ozarks a podcast that might start recording in london since that's apparently the thing now it's sif pop you want to go to london andrew Sure. <laughs> Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live most weekends or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. <laughs> I'm here. That was really good. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer. He's my unparalleled and unique co-host, Andrew Ooh, Ormsby. I am unique. And each week we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. How are you, man? Late. <laughs> it's all right. I wasn't going to throw you under the bus. No. no nobody needs to That's my know. job. Yeah, well, you know, we do what we can. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of a combination of lateness and technical difficulties. Uh, we ended up starting a little bit. Uh, 95% lateness. <laughs> 5 Listen, I'm trying percent. to help you out here, man. No, I need the people to know that I'm a terrible co-host. Oh, you, well, that is most certainly not true. You're just a co-host who slept in one day. It'll happen. Uh Mm. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here. Is Thank that you. good enough? That, yeah, I'm glad I'm here, too, because yes. this is going to be a fun podcast. Oh, man, this is exciting. Of course, we're going to talk about uh, Spider-Man, new Spider-Man movie, Far From Home. That's always good times. Uh, I'm realizing, kind of like X-Men, that Spider-Man is one of my favorite super... I just There's something about Spider-Man that I just really love that character, oh, um, yeah. which is always fun to uh, to chat about. He's so we'll the do most a, famous Marvel character there is. We'll do a little bit of that. Uh, of course, we've got the usual suspects. Uh, we've got our buried treasure at the end. We've got a Sif quest that you're sending us on. Uh, we'll do a best ever challenge with the word home in the movie title. Best ever movies that have the word home in the title. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun as well. And even before we get to uh, chatting about what's happening in the news, um, I wanted to check in on the Summer Sum game because we're more than halfway, right? We've got, well, no, it's almost exactly halfway. We're two months in with two months left, yeah, right? There we go. So we're kind of starting to get a picture of what's happening with the Summer Sum game. Now, if for whatever reason you're brand new and you don't know what the Summer Sum game is, I'll just kind of briefly give you the lowdown on it. We predict what the top 10 money-making movies of the summer are going to be. We predict an order for them. We also pick a few wild cards. We invite you to do the same. Uh, and over 100 people, I think like 112 people, uh, signed up to do it this year or something like that. Maybe 120. I can't I can't remember. That's amazing. Um, but we keep all the stats and everything on a website that you can get to by going to sifpop.com and then just click on Summer Sum Game. And fascinating things are developing in the Summer Sum Game. What does that look for, Andrew? 
it's not going to last. Oh, yeah. well, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. here at this point, <laughs> let's start here. At this point, we basically have two more players, possibly three, that are going to make a difference. Lion King. Lion King. Uh, I'm trying to think. Fast what, and Furious, for, Hobbs and Shaw. Okay, and Once Upon, Once a, Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hollywood. Those are really the... I mean, unless I'm missing something from this point forward after Spider-Man's out... There's really only those possibly three that could make an impact on what's going on. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't been to the website, I highly encourage you. If you're watching this video on YouTube, by the way, we'll have some of this on the screen behind us uh, that we can show you. But I'm going to tell you about what's happening here because... Hey, look at this. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> my, my brother uh, has programmed the website he so codes good. it's so um, by the way if you need somebody to do coding if you've got a coding job yeah um check out the stuff he's done on the website is absolutely incredible um but he's got graphs and charts and all these kind of things so i wanted to look at the chart that shows how things are competing against each other on the summer sum game because when you look at that Phil, why don't we pull that up uh, on the screen for people who are watching, and I can take a look at it uh, there as well. Uh, and I will try to describe what I'm saying, uh, since this is an audio podcast, uh, uh, Andrew. Uh, so anyways, if you go down to the bottom of the Summer Sum Game chart uh, page, there's this incredible chart down there that actually shows you the graphs of how the movies are doing. Uh, you can see how much uh, Endgame affects that chart like that big line at the top is uh in game just making a ton more money than everything else uh what you can do is you can actually click on avengers in game and eliminate that and it will bring those others up so you can see them better um and once you do that you start to get a better idea of what's competing so you've got the three movies that are competing for kind of the number two through you know five spot right now of course lion king will probably be in this group at some point yeah. too um toy story 4 has the best chart so far but spider-man far from home and aladdin are very similar in their first few days but it looks like spider-man will make more uh, than Aladdin this weekend. And the question is, will it catch Toy Story 4? Um, so that's going to be a fascinating race. Uh, and then if you eliminate those from the mix, so you eliminate Aladdin, Toy Story, and uh, Spider-Man, Far From Home from the list, you start to get a look at how the bottom of the chart's going to come together, and it's really fascinating. We can also get rid of Men in Black International and Rocket Man, because for sure Fast and Furious and Lion King are going to knock those out of the competition, right? So if you get rid of Men in Black and Rocket Man, you've got Godzilla at number 10, and this is where it gets interesting, Ken. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood catch Godzilla at number 10. Like, is. No. I don't know, because Godzilla right now is at like 110 million, something like that. Uh, Once Upon a Time could make that. If it does real gangbusters, it could get up towards that, you know, 115, 125. The fact is, Tarantino. Maybe, but also our rating does factor into mm -hmm. domestic box office. No, totally. I totally agree. So, yeah. So, so that'll be fascinating. Um, and then you've well, got... Well, I say that, but John Wick, how far up is John Wick? Well, you, you look at John Wick's line, and you've got three movies. John Wick, Secret of Life of Pets 2, and Pokemon Detective Pikachu that basically have the same chart. Which line is this one right That's here? John... <laughs> it's, a, it's an audio podcast, Andrew. <laughs> I'm asking because I'm colorblind, and I can't tell the difference between these John colors Wick, up here John and Wick these is the top. John Wick is the top line. Okay. So John Wick is making a little bit more money than both of those, but then uh, Detective Pikachu and Secret Life of Pets 2 are like have the exact same progression almost it looks right now like secret life of pets 2 is inching ahead 
of uh, of Pikachu, but it'll be interesting to see if it can actually catch it. Because technically, it still needs like uh, I think nine million more dollars to catch it. Um, but as far as what it's on pace to do, it's going to be really close. So it kind of comes down to that, right? Like yeah. Lion King, where Lion King lands in those top four, right? Where Fast and Furious lands overall, because really, honestly, that's a big range. Fast and Furious could blow people's minds and end up making because those Furious movies, we were talking, I always make money. We were talking in our in our uh, member pre-show uh, about you know all-time box office champs. Uh, Furious is the number eight money-making movie of all time worldwide. Yeah. That's crazy. So, like, if this does that kind of stuff domestically, it could be with that top tier. I think it's more likely to be between the top tier and the middle tier, kind of coming in at, like, that number five, number six range, but who knows? Uh, and then if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood can actually, you know, out outdo Godzilla at number 10 which personally I hope not because I have Godzilla at number 10 and that would be big points for me I don't know where I have Godzilla I have Godzilla at number 10 and I have Pikachu at number 9 which if Secret Life of Pets can take Pikachu that's very likely I may have my 9 and 10 slots with 10 points each which that'll be huge so I, am I still the number one ranked guru? No, not no. anymore. Okay, not after Spider Man yeah. uh, made its debut. Well, so. I have Spider Man at number two, so if it can keep crawling up there, hey. that's good news for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it's it's going to be a fascinating finish, and even if you're not in the contest, which by the way, thank you to all those who are playing. Yeah. Uh, even if you're not in the contest, it's really fun to go look at the website and kind of see how these movies are battling each other. Uh, if you are in the contest, you can actually search for your name, and it'll bring up your stuff and show you, you know, how you're doing and where your points are and all that kind of fun stuff too. So yeah, lots of fun stuff going on at the website. Huge shout out to my brother Andrew for putting it all together. Just so good. An incredible job. Uh, doing that stuff on the website, so I just I wanted to check in on that because we're at the halfway point and kind of see how yeah, things a, are developing. And there are a few things if they go a certain way that you know will absolutely change the outcome of who's going to win this thing. So yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see it come down uh, to the end. Uh, so you ready, man? Let's do it. Let's uh, let's let's do some. Do we care? Every single week, I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world. I pick three topics for us to discuss, and we must decide. Do we care mm -hmm. or not? Number one, how Bailey has been cast as Ariel in Disney's live action The Little Mermaid. Um, how many times did you think it was Holly Berry? Nah, <laughs> yeah, a lot. <laughs> I was gonna say, you're really gonna like. Hey, I still will see the news and think they're saying Holly Berry. Like my yeah. brain fills it all in as Holly Berry. Yeah, uh, but because I don't know who Hal Bailey is. Yeah, so. and now is it Holly Bailey? Yeah, Hallie, Hallie Hall Bailey, I yeah. think. Okay, I, I really don't know because I haven't heard of her either. Uh, other than since the announcement has been made, I've heard she has an incredible voice. She um, did the soundtrack for Wrinkle in Time. I know yeah. that. Um, so. And she has this. Uh, I think she's like uh, starring in a show. Her acting roles, when I looked it up on IMDb, are minimalistic. She yeah. is. This is going to be her big, you know, debut. Oh, it's. It's super cool. It's, I saw somebody tweet something along the lines of, uh, you know, uh, getting sick and tired of Disney doing live action remakes. Yes. Then, then they cast, you know, diverse casts and, you know, more authentically, 
you know, whatever. And it's just like, it's this, it's this thing of like, I kind of hate that they're making these movies, but man, good job, Disney. They're finally (laughs) casting live real mermaids for... (laughs) That's right. That is the funniest part of the backlash, whatever, you know, sometimes I think that stuff is louder than it actually is. I think it's kind of a a straw man effect. Now, again, it's a legitimate straw man. There are people who feel that way, but I think their volume gets turned up so that we can shout them down. (laughs) Like, it's it's kind of weird how that happens. But whatever backlash there has been against this, you know, considering Ariel was a redhead, yeah. uh, you know, um, she was also a mermaid. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's the thing I just keep seeing. I'm just like, it's, it's a fictional creature. Yeah. Like, can we get over this? I mean, you know, uh, it's, I do know there are people who very much want characters to maintain all of their attributes through every time they're, you know, in uh, any kind of media. And I just, I don't understand that. I don't get that. And I especially don't get that when you're trying to do something uh, diverse like this that will actually, um, you know, speak to a minority that has been underserved. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's the part for me where it's like, hmm. and people talk underserved. about... Underserved. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Under the sea. Uh, if, if this, people do this thing where they're like, well, if this was reversed... You'd be, you know, crying. Well, yes, of course, because that's a difference between, you know, being in power and being out of power. You know, that's it's a power dynamic thing. Right. And so I it's just I don't know. The backlash is just kind of one of those things. I just kind of, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll all move on and enjoy our Little Mermaid movie. Thank you very much. Yes. Um. So. So, yeah, I didn't. The backlash really was I, it's a nothing to me. I, I think this will be exciting. I, I like that it's somebody we've never heard of before. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start the campaign right now to get Phil to play Eric. Nice. Yep. That's a good call. Phil's very much an Eric kind of guy. What do you oh, think? Thanks. Yeah, sure. I'll do it. All right. <laughs> it's yeah. done. It's done. <laughs> I don't care what the number is. I'll, I'll do it. There you go. Call us, Disney. Let, ladies and gentlemen, if you're in the chat or listening later on, you got to get that campaign out there right now. Producer Phil for Eric. <laughs> That's right. All right, number two. Yep. Number two, Regal Cinemas will launch a movie ticket subscription service at the end of July. Not a surprise, right? Like, this is going to continue to happen with the different chains. Uh, my longtime prediction, I say longtime, uh, you know, in the last year, I've predicted several times that the studios are going to get in on this, that the studios are going to buy theater chains. Uh, as a way to compile their online streaming with real life movie going. Um, so I think, I just think this is a given that eventually there will be three or four, you know, movie chains that have subscription services and you just pick the one, you know, that serves you best. So Alamos is already out in a lot of places. Not here. Not here though. <laughs> Not here. So we have an AMC, we have a Regal, and we have an Alamo, all three of which oh, we have, do a, have sub- a Regal downtown. I, I always forget about that theater. I never go there. It's actually the one of the cleanest besides... I'm not going to throw any theater under the bus. Start throwing stuff under the bus. <laughs> Normally, I, I don't care, but then I have to re- remember what show I'm on. I'm, Flick Freaks doesn't exist anymore, so I can't just throw people <laughs> under the bus. Right. But um, getting back to the main point, yeah, um, Movie Pass. I think I've said this before. They are the Napster of movie uh, ticket sales, where... Not, you know, Napster mm-hmm. was illegal. It's a great comparison. Yeah. But as far as like a giant shift in the way people uh, access a form of entertainment, you know, Napster redefined, you know, it made CDs obsolete. Well, and it forces, it, it's, it, there's always somebody who has to force the future to come. Yeah. It was always going to happen. 
But Napster, you know, made it so that the audio companies had to pay attention, even though what they were doing was illegal. Yeah. Netflix made it so that the big movie companies had to pay attention and go, oh, people are on board with this. People like this idea. Yeah. Um, and just because both companies, in one case, uh, more due to illegalities, in the other case, due to incompetence, uh, both companies, uh, you know, completely ruined themselves. Um, I don't think Netflix ruined themselves. Netflix? That's what you said. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant, um, I didn't mean Netflix. Movie I Pass. meant Movie Pass. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah, sometimes the wrong words come out of my mouth. Yeah. Um, no, I thought I, you were talking about Netflix for the fact that, you know, it shook up the genre that people are streaming well, and stuff now. We can talk about Netflix. Netflix is the example of somebody who's forcing the future and actually keeping, you know, good um Nobody from Netflix is in jail. <laughs> right. Nobody from Netflix is in jail, and they are... I mean, as far as we know, they're financially viable. Um, now, it, yeah. it would not surprise me if it comes out that they're not financially viable. That's a possibility. They throw money around like crazy at Netflix. Well, yeah. Uh, but, it, welcome to Netflix, your greenlit, you know? Yeah, yeah, that exactly. Thing. But, um, but as of now, it seems like they're a successful company and yeah. been able to do it. But yes, there are those companies that come along and just kind of force the future and just like, look, guys, this is the future. We're going to yeah. force it to happen. And uh, I think people forget how amazing Movie Pass was for the in the beginning. At the end, you know, everybody was on board. You know, throw them under the bus. But I more than got my money's worth with Movie Pass. Well, that's that's why they were a horrible business. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. They were always awful, but their awfulness benefited us for you in know a good run. year, about a year. We yeah. had a good year there of this is too good to be true, but we're going to take advantage of it. That's what people were like. So when when Movie Pass came out, everybody was like, "This will never last. This is stupid. Why would you do this? This company's not going to be." It's like I don't care if it lasts. I'm going to take advantage. Take advantage of it for now. I had a whole year where I spent you know barely anything every month to see every single movie I wanted to see. Like yeah, that's you know that's their business practice. And if they can't make it work, you know that's on them. I think it came when I did the math. It came down to like. A dollar for a movie for me. That's how yeah. much I spent, you know, or times I went. Right. I mean, come I, on. I forget what what That's, what what was the cost of Movie Pass originally. What did we say? Because I ninety. For a year? I think it was. I think that's what I signed up for through. I, there was even a discount. I ended up signing up for like 80 bucks or 90 bucks for the entire year. So you, you think of something like that that's less than $10 a month. By far, actually. It's you know it's closer to 7 or $8 a month. Yeah. That's less than the price of one movie ticket. Like, it just, it was insane. And I would go yeah. see eight or nine movies a month in the theater. Um, that's just, I you know, it's just, it doesn't take a math genius to <laughs> figure out those numbers don't work yeah. uh, long term. But well, thank you. They don't work for MoviePass. Thank they you, definitely MoviePass. work for us. I think they were they were trying to do it through advertising and through deals with, you know, other companies. And it just, they couldn't get it to work. I also think, you know, they just tried to start their own production company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that failed. Yep. So, yeah. They, they went broke. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> That's number three, actually. Movie Pass went broke. <laughs> no. That's number three every week. Yeah. Number three, James Gunn confirms Guardians 3 will not be called as Guardians of the Galaxy. It is unclear if Thor will even be in the third installment. I wondered about that. I'm glad somebody came out and said officially, hey, this isn't for sure a thing. Um, but yeah, the Asgardians of the Galaxy, it's a great pun, but it was never going to be the title, right? Like, we didn't yeah. actually think... Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't before Gunn got fired, didn't he already, uh, wasn't his script greenlit? Yes. Yeah, he already had a script. So I'm assuming that possibly that's the script that they'll be using? At least in part. 
Yeah. yeah so. Scripts are interesting. They change a lot. And especially with the MCU, because everything has to, you know, evolve around the overall story. Right. Where, you know, what's going on with Gamora and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I... Are, do you want Thor to be in it? I'll just make that a general question. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with no Thor movie on the, you know, uh, agenda for any time soon that we know of. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I love Chris Hemsworth as Thor. I think that's a ton of fun. I would, And he's great with that crew. Um, I heard somebody say they were tired of kind of the, the shtick between um, him and... Quill. And Quill. I love it. I think it's hilarious. It's the funniest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that power really dynamic good. is just... It's great. Yeah, and, no, totally. I would love for him to be in it. Yeah. Um, but and that might possibly be the fact that the script he wrote didn't have Thor in it, and now they're trying to figure out, you know, how that affects it if they try to put him in it for how long they put him in it. How to, you yeah. know, because you don't want to force something, right? If you've got a really nice tight script, you don't want to try to force something else to happen with it. Yeah, I don't know. It's a fascinating artwork, you know, uh, to figure out how to piece those things together and how to give the fans what they want, but at the same time. Yeah, you be th- faithful to what you want to do. Yeah, that tightrope that they walk, mm-hmm. it, it's impressive. I think it is. But guess what? What? That's going to wrap it up for Do We Care. Oh, all right. Well, no, it's crazy. Um, well, I appreciate it, Andrew. Uh, now let's get into talking some MCU. Talk oh. some Spider-Man Far From Home. This is Mr. Beck. We could have used someone like you on my world. New world? Beck is from Earth, just not ours. A snap to our hole in our dimension. You're saying there's a multiverse? We have a job to do, and you're coming with us. There's gotta be someone else you can use. What about Thor? Off-world. Captain Marvel. Unavailable. But I'm just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Following the events of Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man must step up to take on new threats in a world that has changed forever. And that's as much as you're going to get out of me for a description, (laughs) uh, because I hate spoiling things, even though the trailer apparently uh, spoils so much of this movie. Uh, Um, I got a question. Yeah. Do we have a green light to talk about the events in Endgame for this? That, that is a perfectly valid question. Um, this is one of those things. The MCU has made spoilers a very interesting territory because, you know, I used, I used to say a year. Like, after a year, yeah, we'll still give you warning, but we're not going to worry about it. You know, like, we'll say, yeah. hey, we're going to talk about spoilers from this movie, but we're not going to worry about it. But MCU has made, has really... Sh- shrunk that ability to do that yeah where you have to have seen the previous movie in the actual universe (laughs) to sometimes talk about what's going on i will just say this possible spoilers for endgame in our uh spider-man um homecoming or homecoming far from home Well, i'll just say definite spoilers (laughs) for endgame because that's going to be one of the first things i talk about yeah so I, i think it'd be hard to avoid that um, but we will do our best not to spoil this movie for you. Yes. Um, and but I cannot promise the same about Endgame. If you haven't seen Endgame, I cannot promise you. Um, but I would think as as memey in our culture as Endgame has been, if you haven't seen it by now, you know some of these things already. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it's just I, it's hard in this culture not to be aware after a month or two of some of the big moments of big movies like this. So yeah, 
I think that what's weird about this is that Endgame is still currently in theaters. <laughs> it's true. Like people are, yeah. can still see Endgame. Yeah. Um, that's true. That's I mean, it's a good point. And honestly, there's got to be like only four people in the world left who haven't seen it. <laughs> I think there's a few more than that. But yeah, well, go ahead. Uh, let's do uh, liked it, loved it, disliked it, hated it, or it was just okay. What did you think about Far From Home? Really liked it. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with loved it. Okay. I think we're right about exactly the same part. I think I'm just willing to say I love this movie. Yeah. Um, there, there are certainly some things that we can talk about in negatives, uh, mm-hmm. but for the most part, man, did I have a blast. Yes. And, and that's the overwhelming thing for me here is so fun. what a great time at the theater, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's kind of been MCU's calling card, right, is if nothing else... You're just gonna have a blast eating your popcorn and smiling and laughing and and enjoying the visuals. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can almost just they just have that down. And Spider Man is even at the high side of that for the MCU. I think. Yeah. So yeah, I had I had a great time. So I'm gonna go with loved it. So go ahead. What were you gonna say about the uh, in game spoilers or how they play in? Well, you know um, what this movie really focuses on is yes, you still have all these amazing superheroes like Thor and Captain Marvel and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the world is shook right now because of the loss of Iron Man specifically. Right. They mention, you know, Captain America and Black Widow and Vision, you know, um, Captain America a little bit more than the other two. But really, this movie is about what this world is like, especially for Peter Parker without Iron Man, mm-hmm. you know, his yeah. mentor, his father figure. Well, the you idea know? of the void that was left, yeah. both personally for Peter Parker and then for the world in general, and how do you fill that void, you know? And um, that's uh, that's really affecting stuff to yeah. watch them deal with. There are moments in this movie uh, between, you know, Peter and Happy that are really moving to me yeah. as they consider what this man meant to them. And, uh, man, I just, I love how much the MCU is willing to go there and just say, hey, look, our movies mean something. When something happens in one of these movies, we mean it when we say they're interconnected. It's yeah. going to affect, you know, what happens next. And it's serial storytelling uh, a way that we've never seen happen at the cinema. We've never seen this level of actual um consequence and impact from every movie you know in a series like this yeah uh, on this level in this consistently so it's 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 one of my favorite things yeah for sure you got a pro yeah i got lots uh, of pros yeah i um, figure we just go back and forth throwing things can we, we talk love. about the humor how funny this movie is <laughs> oh yeah is um, that a surprise anymore though for no, mcus are mcus no. well, especially movies... spider-man movies yeah um, Tom Holland is so great. He's perfect as this character. Um, MJ's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Zendaya is. I did have a few because um, I'm also watching Euphoria, and I had a few. Man, MJ's been through some stuff. Moments. Yeah. <laughs> like, man, no I wonder. Had to separate the two. <laughs> no wonder she's so dark in yeah, these movies. Mysterious. <laughs> uh, so she's she's hilarious. Ned, of course, is, is gotta love such, Ned. So great, and Jake Gyllenhaal. Is really funny in this movie. Yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily something I was going in expecting. Um, yeah. 
So, uh, well, Quentin Beck is a fascinating character. Okay, so I'm just going to ask you this, and uh, this will be interesting to tiptoe around spoilers with. I know for what you're going to ask, and the answer is yes. So, it, <laughs> so that's fascinating to me because I think fans of the comics had a completely different experience with this movie than people who didn't read the comics. Yeah, is that fair to say? I, I know a, exactly what you're talking about, and the answer is 100. So, and and that's as far as I need to go to say that. But yeah. just to say, if you haven't seen the movie and you're a fan of the comics you already have information going in that somebody who hasn't read the comics doesn't have that severely impacts the way this plot process is in front of you yeah is that fair to say very much so and i will tell you i i'm glad this is one of those cases where i'm glad i didn't read the comic i really love just kind of experiencing this story instead <laughs> of you know kind of knowing ahead of time well yeah because you know me knowing you know i'm wait i'm just watching it, i'm like it's okay let's it's gonna happen eventually so mm-hmm. yeah and oh there it is okay so right. yeah um, backstories for characters are definitely uh, taking liberties to fit into the MCU's sure. overall, which is normal. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but pretty much, yeah, that big thing that you're talking about, yeah, I knew about, and a lot of people in the theater knew about, and a lot of people didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I could tell, yeah, which yeah, is interesting. I don't know to this extent that I've ever seen this before. I don't know to this extent mm. that I've ever seen. A piece of easily obtainable information that was so key in the plot of the movie yeah. that one group of people already definitely knew and another distinct group of people had no clue. Um, are there probably examples and I'd love to hear them, but it was just it was fascinating to me how much the the plot of this movie revolved around a piece of information yeah. that a lot of people already knew. Yeah, that's I, I found that fascinating uh, uh, after the fact. So I did want to ask you about that as a fan of the comics. We were, we're being so general right it's now. It's great. I think it's fine. Yeah, but you, I knew exactly what you were going <laughs> to ask, and I'm like, yeah, the answer is yes. So, um, but yeah, John Hall's amazing in this. Oh, he's so good. You want to talk about perfect casting, um, and also a amazing performance? I'm not going to lie. This is up there with like some of the best one-off performances in the MCU ever. Yeah. He's so good. Yeah. Um, also, there are some visual effect moments in this that are like some of the best I've ever seen in this the MCU. This just kind of goes Doctor Strange on you at times. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, and this is throwing in a con in the middle of this, there are some action sequences, let's say, that so much is happening, I can't follow what's mm. going on. It's a little bit too much. Yeah. A little bit too much going on. I didn't necessarily feel that way because there are moments during those action scenes that are clear and those moments are so impressive. I was really impressed with the action in this movie. Yeah. I do I do see what you're saying about so much of it going on, mm-hmm. but it's not it, it really felt different than a lot of the MCU action. If it didn't feel like the same kind of quick cut, you know, hide things kind of stuff. There were there were moments when Spider-Man was doing stuff in the action scenes where he has a plan and you watch his plan for how he's doing the action unveil before you and it's so cool. Yeah. Um I just there were there were at least two or three moments where I was like, "Oh, that was awesome." Yeah. Like and you see it happen. Like it's not just quick and confusing and it just you, you watch his plan develop in yeah. these action scenes and I just I found that beautiful. What do they call it? Do they call it Peter Tingles or what was <laughs> yes, it? Unfortunately, it's called the Peter Tingle. <laughs> yeah. Instead of Spidey Spidey sense or Spider yes, sense. The Peter Tingle, Tingle is the worst. That's the worst, <laughs> man. That's the best and the worst at the same time. Yeah. 
Uh, it's a great running gag. He references his web shooter. Oh, you know, yeah. that's got to be a first for Spider Man. Yeah. <laughs> So it's yeah. so it's it's yeah. very funny. The, yeah. the movie is very very funny. Uh, overall message in this movie, besides you know a world without Iron Man, is how does uh, Peter Parker want to fit into this world? Yeah. Does he want to? You forget in like the Tobey Maguire and the Garfield movies, but these movies don't forget. He's a kid, mm-hmm. and this movie really focuses on should he continue to be a superhero or should he. Yeah. Be, go back to being a kid. Well, Can he go back to being a kid? It's always been a huge theme with this character. It's probably, it's my favorite Spider-Man theme and we have, you know, um we have this theme throughout all the Spider-Man iterations. You know, yeah. the, with with great power comes great responsibility line yeah. is a big line for a reason. The idea of Peter Parker struggling with his, the responsibility of what his powers mean to the outside world even as a teenager is yeah. a common theme and this movie really centers on on that theme like what is my responsibility in this world do i have to do it can i shirk that off on somebody i say shirk that's a negative kind of term he doesn't think of it that way he thinks of it more you know can i hand this off to somebody who would do a better yeah. job than me um it, and what's beautiful about that theme in this universe is as a teenager i remember feeling that i'm just a kid like what am i supposed to do about yeah. this i'm just a kid and i think it's valuable to remember remember uh that it doesn't matter how old you are you have things you can impact you have things you're good at things you can do and i think uh a lot of times you know that's it's just it's just such a beautiful thing to remember yeah really is there are several themes in this movie like you know world without iron man how you fit into this world um well and overall there's an overall message about fake news and you know yeah. the idea of playing the media the idea of um you know uh just a lot of what we see with it is truth what you say it is or is there actual truth you know yeah. and it's just it's fascinating to see a movie this light and airy in some way you know like funny and and you know big popcorn hit on visuals but it still hits on that stuff pretty well i think yeah absolutely so yeah no i'm with you i think the themes in it are great yep um i like how they uh address the snap and how it affects the world at large you know mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, that was a big thing that people were really concerned about. Like, well, if his five years have passed, then, yeah, he's going to have classmates that have grown up, you Mm -hmm. know. And they actually... Which we we thought about, right? You know, like, I remember talking about that stuff. It is super convenient that everybody we care about in that high school got snapped. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's super convenient. Yeah. Um, But, okay, fine. It worked out that way. Ned and MJ and Peter and Flash and everybody got snapped, so... Well, and I appreciated how they not just answered some of the questions that I think audience members are wondering, but answered them in a really funny way. Like there mm-hmm. are a couple of comedic moments with that too. The moment in um, the in the gym, yeah. uh, with the basketball moment is probably one in, at the top of my mind. Without going into details, you know, I don't want to necessarily spoil the joke for you, but um, but it's interesting because that I, it's hilarious, but it also frustrates me because it it really brings home one of the most uh, egregious overlook part of the snap which is how do people come back where did they come back well this movie seems to clearly indicate an answer to that question that has huge traumatic you know implications so god forbid you were in a plane right so you know it's like okay fine you wanted to answer that question but now it's answered and man that's that 
bad news for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, uh, compared to, you know, half of all living life being snapped away, Mm -hmm. yes, it's tragic, but I think it's a pretty good payoff. Okay, I know we're talking about Endgame now, but I'm going to go here for just a second. Yeah. I'm becoming more and more convinced that our heroes from Endgame, what they finally accomplished is worse than just letting the snap have been the snap. I am becoming more and more convinced that what it undoes causes much more trauma than just moving on. And there there have been some really interesting articles written about this and about what it means to let go and go through trauma and not hope for a world where things can change because life isn't like that. And uh, it's a fascinating thing to think that our heroes may have created a worse world by bringing people back uh, than the world they left behind. That'd be an interesting read. I don't agree with it, but sure. it'd definitely no, be an dis- interesting read. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's it is a, a big enough, deep enough topic to really, when you start to think about it, it, it kind of unravels in some ways and makes your brain do some really weird things. And I'm not even talking about the time travel aspect of it. I'm talking no. just about the ramifications of actually snapping people back into existence five years later. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, that's a really traumatic world for a lot of people. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, people in five years have moved on, maybe gotten remarried. Yeah. You know, like five, a lot can happen in five years, you know, and you're snap. Are you snapped back into your bedroom where your wife is in bed with her new husband? Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm just saying in a very real sense, this is a traumatic world for a lot of people five years later. So it's interesting when you really start to think about it. Yeah, but I think that the people that got snapped back appreciate they got snapped back. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite possible. Yeah. Uh, back to far from home. Uh, what, yeah. else, what else do you want to chat about? Uh, I like how it's a kind of a road trip, like a movie, you know, like it's a sightseeing, yeah. you know, road trip movie. I joked know? about it at the beginning, but man, do movies love shooting in London now? Yeah. It's, it's just been all summer. The men in black wanted to shoot over there. Like, it's just kind of one of those things. So yep. it's fascinating. I like how they play off, you know, cult, different cultural, you know, it's, uh, it's a PG 13, happy, good, good feeling Euro trip, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to the R rated Euro trip movie. Mm-hmm. This is like, hey, what if Spider Man, you know, went with his class to Europe and they went to Venice or they went to the Netherlands or they went to, you know, here or there? There are some great gags about, you know, cultural, you know, uh, differences. My favorite is like the Netherlands. Oh, everybody's so nice. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, I think on the a little too over the top for me side of things, the teachers, uh, I like Martin Starr. I'm not a huge J.B. Smoove fan, mm-hmm. um, but both of them, it was, it was a little inauthentic to me. If there's, if there's any acting piece to pick apart, I think it's with those two. Their decisions didn't make sense. They're, they're just, they were more caricatures than anybody else. Yeah. Is it performances or is it the script? It's probably the script. It's probably, I mean, it could be a combination of both, but, but yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Uh, We, we very much on this podcast like to identify that it's never just the actor's fault. Yeah. Ever. Even when you see the worst performance, you, what you think is the worst performance of all time. Yeah. There are so many things that go into that. I've seen. Jake Gyllenhaal give some of the most incredible performances I've ever seen and then I watch him in life and go he's a bad actor 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just it's one of you just there's so many factors that go in to what that final performance looks like on the screen. So yeah, no, you're right to call me out on that for sure. No, I wasn't calling you out. I was just saying that I th- hey, I listen, feel it's I more get to script. decide if I've been called out. <laughs> All right, I'm fine. Just, I'm just kidding. All right. uh, Marissa Tomei, how we feel about uh, Marissa this uh, this time around? Though the dynamic between her and Happy is an it's interesting one. Right? Yeah, it's a yeah. fascinating one. Yeah, I like it though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I like this version of Aunt May. I, she's kind of a cool mom kind of kind of person, mm-hmm. and like I, I, you know, they've had older versions of Aunt May in some of the older movies, in some of the movies that came previous. I like that she's this young and has like some actual like real. Um, mo- almost mother-son interactions mm-hmm. with with Peter that we haven't I mean, really seen. Marissa's in her mid fifties. You yeah, know, yeah. she just looks she looks very young, and she, yeah. of course she's still so attractive. And the movie plays on that, and so it's oh. it's fascinating. I think the movie actually the movies have played on that just a little bit too much. No, I, I think maybe just just a tad too much. It's like we get it. Anime is hot. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am kind of upset with the fact that we never really see Aunt May deal with the fact that peter is spider-man you know it jumps into that's true no that's a great it jumps point in like right is she's you know she's okay with it she you was know, she snapped she was snapped was she yeah okay yeah so i'm just i think if i'm remembering correctly she was also snapped so she never actually had to deal with losing peter yeah um which is not what you're talking about by the way no. i was just trying to think in my own head yeah because at the end of homecoming the first spider-man movie uh, it ends with her you know walking in and he's you know in the suit and she realizes so now um it's just jarring to go into a movie where she knows and she's accepting and okay with him being mm-hmm. spider-man actually encouraging him to be spider-man in some sense you which, know which again adds to the humor in a lot yeah. of ways you know some of that dynamic is really funny yeah um okay here's the, here's it's always going to be your one last thing but it's a very important one last thing to talk about uh which is post-credit scene not only are there two post-credit scenes vital they are extremely vital and amazing post-credit scenes like yeah it's, like it's like marvel took all the you know the thing about quit doing useless post-credit scenes well, i'll show you a useful post-credit scene yeah the very <laughs> two yeah, the very last one i want to talk about it in general in, you think you can i was gonna wait till spoilers but yeah. if you think you can um there was a performance in this movie that i thought was a little off and a post-credit scene made it good. And a post-credit scene made it not only good, it, it made sense. Yeah, it's And then I go back and I'm like, oh! <laughs> right. Oh! Yeah, it's fascinating. It's beautiful. I, yeah. What, it is one of the biggest... I've never seen a post-credit credit scene that delivers the the same impact as a great twist in a movie. Yeah. Um, imp- which is that, oh, now i got to go watch the whole thing over again, but this is one of them. And I already yeah. feel like maybe I've said too much for somebody who hasn't no, seen it. No, I don't think so. But it is... Yeah, but I, did you feel the same way, like, watching the movie? You're like, that's just... I did. It's, it's off. Absolutely did. 100% recognized something. Yeah. And then the movie absolutely put it right back in my face and said, see? Yeah. You know what? <laughs> Ironically, that just comes down to amazing acting. Yeah. Yeah. Like a great performance to, you know, get close, but then make you question things. Mm-hmm. And then that reveal. The last, the last time I had this experience was with, um, uh, why is the name of the, the uh, Bad Times at the El Royale? Um, there is a, a twist-ish towards the beginning of that movie that reveals something about a character isn't who we thought they were. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and at first I was like, man, what is off with his performance uh, in this movie? And then that you know explanation happened i was like oh it's actually a brilliant performance yeah 
Uh, so yeah, I, is I, it the bellhop that no, you're talking about? Oh no, it's um, I'm trying. To think. It's the first person uh, you meet. The first one there, Nick Offerman. No, no, the first one to the hotel. It's John Hamm. It's John Hamm. <laughs> oh, oh no, I understand. <laughs> trying not to spoil it, but that movie's been out. The for movie's a been out forever. Yeah. I know. Yeah, uh, well, so not technically the, forever. The artist project in the chat just said um, he feels like if you didn't stay for that that final post credit scene at the end, you almost didn't see the movie. Like, no, true. <laughs> yeah, either one of them. Both of those post-credit scenes impact the actual movie, um, I think which I find we can, fascinating. I think we can say that the first post-credit scene impacts the future True. of the MCU, whereas True. the second one impacts the movie you just saw. Right. You know? Yeah. No, that's true. No, that's that's absolutely fair. Uh, the credits are kind of long. Like they, You have to stick around for like 10 minutes afterwards, and like I... You have to, but like that is that is non-negotiable. If you go see this movie, you have to go all the way to the end. Not for a little zinger, but like literally something that will change your outlook on the movie. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's why I want to make sure we say it here, even in non-spoilers. Um, the credit, the post-credit scenes are very important to this movie. Yes. What, what a weird choice for Marvel, though. Like that's that's a little it's fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating. Well, this ends phase three, uh, mm-hmm. three or four. Well, and it, it ends phase three. And to be honest, without. I mean, maybe we should save talking about this till spoilers, but I think they had to do it. I, I really think they, based on what they know about their plans for the future, I think it tells us some stuff about the future of the MCU. I think they had to do it this way or they would have had an ex, you know, a hole in their plotting yeah. that they couldn't have explained. Uh, so it's it's fascinating stuff. That's very, very interesting. I'm, I'm, I, I'm glad you felt the same way. It just completely changed the movie for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I shouldn't say it completely changed one portion of the movie for me. Yeah. Um, in that way. Honestly, without that, I probably could have said, yeah, I like the movie. Mm-hmm. But that ex- explanation fixed so much. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we got to get off this before we actually, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. actually say something. I don't really have much, uh, really a lot else to say. I talked about the action that I really like some of the, the fun stuff with the action. Um, I didn't talk a lot about, I mean, we talked about Peter being a teenager. Um, I also love the Peter and MJ stuff. Felt very teen romance to me. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it, it, like uh, the awkwardness of it. Um, you know, we've seen Spider-Man movies where... You know, they kiss upside down in the rain. It's just like all smooth and amazing. And there's just no like, awkward teen stuff. There. Yeah, yeah. And this, I, just another choice by this movie in this universe to really emphasize that Peter is a high schooler. And by the way, we don't know where he is in high school. Like he could be in high school another, you know, two years. Like he could just be a sophomore or even a fresh. He could be a freshman, right? If he's I redoing... think he said he's 17, so he's got to be at least a junior. Oh, they did give his age? I didn't know they'd ever given his age. Well, whenever in the first Homecoming movie, I think that uh, he's talking to Tony, and Tony's like, you're just a 16-year-old kid. And he's like, I'm okay. 17. He's like, no, Okay, I didn't remember that. that. So he, he probably has to be a junior then. Yeah. So, okay. It'll just be interesting to see... I mean, Tom Holland's probably going to look like he's 17 forever. forever. Yeah. He's got that Michael J. Fox thing, right? Like, exactly. Michael J. Fox could have played a teenager for 20 years. Yeah. Um, so, it's it'll be fascinating to see what they decide to do, you know, mm-hmm. five years from now. But, um, but maybe by then we'll have, you know, Miles in the MCU or something. So That'd be it could, cool. It could be, it could be very fascinating. Yeah. Man, it'd be great if uh, Into the Spider-Verse became like an actual like they adopted it oh, into the MCU man. somehow. Yeah. It'd be fascinating. Uh all right. Uh did you have anything else before we move on? 
there uh, it's a con there is one scene that is just pure exposition like explaining everything and i'm mm-hmm. like okay yeah this is getting a little out of hand like you're just explaining so much unnecessary nobody would talk like that mm-hmm. but you're doing it for the sake of explaining it for the audience yeah you might as well turn to the camera yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah no i those moments are annoying uh they are un- unfortunately a necessary part of squeezing a story into yeah. you know two hours or so um but yeah you wish that you could do it a little bit smoother definitely rewatchable this movie oh, and that's I'm, a good thing I'm that pumped. marvel I'm has always yeah been good at rewatchability yeah, for sure uh, you ready to move on to the best ever challenge for this week? Yeah, buddy. All right, we're going to talk about movies that have the word home in the title. If you want to check out the list from our various contributors and guest gurus on Sifpop, go to sifpop.com. Uh, there's a link there that have the uh, top 10 movies from the Sifpop contributors that have the word home in them. Um, but we're going to give you our top five, and we'll go from number five to number one. Who wants to kick it off? I'll let you go because I there's not that many. <laughs> Good ones. I have I have nine, I think, that I have listed as worthy of at least chatting about. I found it incredibly difficult to come up with five. Ooh, this is going to be fun then. Yeah. A lot of the ones I figure would be on people's lists are ones I haven't seen. Oh, uh, could so, be. Yeah. yeah. I know I have one on my list that Phil has already chided me about. Uh, <laughs> because I'm one You've of the been only... chastised? I only... I only Lo- you know, I'm, I'm one of the only people that loves this movie. Okay. Uh, but we'll get there. It's Kick not it number off. five. Uh, number five is Fly Away Home. Did you ever see Fly Trump. Away Home? Oh, nice. So you yeah. have seen it. I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. Very nice. All right. What well, do you got at number five? Home Alone 2. Oh. I hate this movie. This is a horrible movie. It's a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't even have the first Home Alone in my top five. I had it in, what? I have it in my honorable mentions, but. Wow. But yeah. Yeah, it's a horrible movie. But, but I, you couldn't I, think of anything I else. I struggled to come up. Yeah. <laughs> Home but, Alone 3 is better than Home Alone 2, don't you think? I never saw Home Alone oh, 3. Right. Yeah, well, that's, that's fair That's the one enough. that didn't even no, have no, Macaulay Culkin in it, No, I know. You're, it's fair enough. I get it. Yeah. I totally understand. That I had to mention a terrible movie just to come up with five. <laughs> I apologize. But we, oh, do you want to talk about Fly Away Home? It's my number four. Yeah, go ahead. We can talk about it now. Yeah, because we don't really want to talk about this one. No, we don't want to talk about Home Alone 2. Yeah. What a beautiful movie. Oh, it is. It's such a feel-good movie. Mm-hmm. And it's based on a true story. Um, Jeff Daniels gives a great performance. Uh, Anna, what's her name? Anna. I don't have the cast list in front of me. But, uh, uh, but yeah. Anna Paquin. Yes. Anna Paquin. She's great. She's only like a little kid in this movie, but... Uh, it's about animals and it makes you feel good and you just want th- this fascinating story to you know it's crazy that it's based on a true story yeah it is the, it is that thing that happens with me all the time and I fully admit I have this bias when something is based on a true story and it's amazing like this it ups my enjoyment of the movie so much like it just just to know even though I know it's not identical they probably made a few changes here or there unless I know that that they've really messed around with it like the greatest showman you know cough cough yeah um, unless I know they've really messed around with it man it just makes the movie that much better for yeah. me yeah it's movies like this or the world's fastest Indian yes you know it just has that magic of like man this happened and how is this not a bigger story that you know is told throughout generations you know um great performances great story um no uh, practical effects galore you know you gotta (laughs) love that yeah Uh, if you haven't seen this movie i highly recommend it i have i really do like this movie a lot Yeah. yeah yeah so you're number four my number four is I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Never saw it, but I love You should see it. Yeah. It's a Netflix, right? Um, so, yeah, I would definitely check it out. Um, 
it is it is really quirky. It may be a wavelength movie. It may be one of those movies if you have to see it be on the same wavelength um, with it. Yeah. Uh, but it is well, Elijah it's fascinating. Wood, you know, he's been making some weird movies lately, so. I like that he has a chance. You know, he's kind of letting his freak flag, f- you know, fly in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. Um, so he, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I actually f- uh, fell in love with uh, the lead character. Uh, I've seen her in stuff before, Melanie Linsky. Yeah. Um, and she is so good in this movie. And I was like, oh, why am I not seeing her in more stuff? Um, but uh, you know, I still even since then haven't really seen her in a lot of stuff. But man, I just wa- I remember watching this and thinking she should really do some more stuff. So yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a quirky movie, not without flaws. I don't like the way this movie ends uh, in a lot of ways, but I do li- I do like the experience of the movie. Nice. So that's, that's in at number four. Uh, do you want me to go on to my number three? Yeah, since I, I was started, about we'll to just say, keep yeah. going. So my number three is the one that Phil's making fun of me for. What? Uh, number three, I have Home Fries. Have you ever seen Home Fries? Never heard of it. Okay, Drew Barrymore, uh, Luke Wilson. The cast in Home Fries is actually pretty stunning. Uh, in addition to them, you've got uh, uh, Catherine O'Hara is in this. Shelley Duvall's in it. Jake Busey is in it um <laughs> saved him for last yeah uh, what's interesting why he's not the lead <laughs> here's what i love about a movie like home fries that again has what like a 30 percent on rotten tomatoes i know i'm kind of alone on this yeah but what i love about a movie about uh like home fries is it's just a simple interesting story and when i can see a movie that i dig the characters enough that i want it, that i'm interested in them and want to know what's happening to them i do have a little bit of a drew Barrymore crush you know i'm always interested in seeing what she's doing um and it's just in it's one of those movies that again because the response wasn't great to it almost nobody has seen um but i love throwing it on for people and just being like look at this fun little movie you know okay it's it's just kind of a fun little thing and it was also i also have a fondness for it because it was one of the first three dvds i ever bought (laughs) really um so it just kind of it was kind of that uh it was that in sphere you remember sphere wow yeah Uh, you bought sphere i was just it was one of those things where you got to pick like three DVDs when you bought the DVD player or something from this list. Yeah. And so, yeah, I picked that sphere and I can't remember what the third one was I picked the Matrix? was. No, no, uh-huh. it wasn't. I had, I didn't get the Matrix until I got like the the full uh, yeah. box set with the Animatrix and oh, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, my three that I picked whenever I got my first DVD player was Count of Monte Cristo, The Time Machine, and uh, uh, The Matrix. Count of Monte Cristo was an early one for me too. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it was that third one. Anyway, this is a, this is an intri- It's got a little bit of mystery to it, a little bit of you know playfulness to it, which will not surprise you when I tell you who wrote this movie. Who? Vince Gilligan. What? Yes, this is a Vince Gilligan script. So it's <laughs> wait, it, is there an X Files twist? <laughs> <laughs> not really, okay. not really. But that, and I think that's another reason I really like it. You can kind of sense his quirky sensibility and presence in this movie. And so, you know, long before he was breaking our brains with Breaking Bad, yeah, uh, he was doing Home Fries. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, there you go. Awesome. That's my number three. What do you got at number three? Homeward Bound. Yeah, the incredible journey. It's so it is an incredible it journey. It really is. Oh man, this movie makes me cry. It really does. Mm-hmm. Falls in the hole. <laughs> we don't have to go through it all right now, I Andrew. Know, I know. Shut <laughs> Andrew, just stop talking about it. Do you it. remember their names? All three. No, of them? I don't. 
Shadow. Uh-huh. Chance. So, audio podcast. Sassy. <laughs> Let the audio listeners note, Andrew pointed at things. Yes, he did. <laughs> um, again, practical effects. Those are real animals. <laughs> Those are real animals doing real animal stuff. Yeah. Um, but man, it's just a great movie and it's a feel good but at the same time traumatic movie you know because any movie that deals with animals especially dogs you know is like a tearjerker for me yeah uh, well i will delete it from my honorable mentions yeah you better it should have been in your top five (laughs) you haven't even heard my top two yet you don't know yeah all right so your number number two 99 homes man i want to see this movie because i love michael shannon he's so good in this movie yeah. Uh, speaking of Spider-Man. Yeah, Garfield. Andrew Garfield is in this. Uh, this this movie did take me to a new level of respect for Garfield's acting talents. Uh, he is really incredible in this movie as well. Um, and their kind of back and forth is the backbone of this movie. Um, and it also deals with the housing crisis in an interesting way. Uh, it's one of the quote-unquote you know housing crisis era movies that wasn't all about that. It was you know about a more human element to it. Uh, so it's really a, a fascinating, interesting, and great movie. So awesome. I would definitely. I think uh, Laura Dern is in it as well. So it's got a good cast. I love and, Laura Dern, and it's a, a good time. Yep. So my number two is probably your number one. I'll just say Spider-Man: Homecoming. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so go ahead and talk about. it. Yeah, we can go ahead and talk about it because yeah. it's on to my number one. Uh, what a fun movie, man. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we talk about Spider-Man Homecoming and basically, you know, re-say a lot of the things uh, that we said about Far From Home. Okay, here's a question like, for you. Jake Gyllenhaal is great in Spider-Man Homecoming. I'm just kidding. That was yeah. a... <laughs> Actually, that's kind of my question. Who do you think, um, you know, as a, uh, as it's a, a tough character, one, right? it's a tough one, you know? Um, I think solely because of the car ride scene. I'm going to have to go with Michael Keaton. Yeah. Uh, that scene is astonishing. Yeah. And so much of it has to do with Keaton's performance. He's good. And, He's real good. Um, and, and Holland's performance. I'm not taking anything away from him in that scene. But uh, for that reason only, because Gyllenhaal is great in Far From Home. But for yeah. that scene only, I think I have to give the nod to Keaton. Yeah. For, you know, new performances in the Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. you know, that it's amazing. Um yeah, it's great. They nailed it. You know, they made an amazing Spider-Man movie without doing everything that all the other Spider-Man movies yeah. did before. Yeah. No Uncle Ben, no actually getting bit by the spider. Right. You know, it just jumps right into this world because everybody knows his backstory. Mm-hmm. We don't need to, you know, rehash all that stuff. That buried under the rubble scene is really oh, powerful, too. Where he's like, come on, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's powerful. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's amazing great. because now, there's there's a ton of nonsense at the end of this movie, though. There's yeah. there, there's I mean, that is that is where Far From Home, I think, actually excels over Homecoming is in conclusion and how it wraps oh, up. That would have been action. a good question. Do you like uh, Far From Home more than Homecoming? I, I like them v- like almost identically. Um, I think, like I said, Far From Home has some key strengths above Homecoming in the action department, in yeah. my opinion, in the in the conclusion in the story department. Um, but man, Homecoming, I think, has the advantage in the villain department 
and also even in the emotional department. I don't think there's anything as emotional as that uh, rubble scene in uh, Far From Home. There are some yeah. good moments, like I mentioned, the happy moments. Yeah. Um, character, not emotion. Possibly I, both. I get what you mean. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, they're pretty even on, on my part. It, I'll have to get some distance from Far From Home to... Recency bias. Yeah, there's definitely some recency bias going on. Fair enough. Yeah. So, what well, do you got at number one? This is where I had Home Alone. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I guess I should have figured that out. It's a staple for Christmas, you know. It's, staple in the face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm sure you've seen this before, but they've done like a, a studies online and testing and stuff of how um, Marv and uh, what was his name? Uh, the, oh, you the, know, the, the sticky bandits, you know, yeah. the wet bandits, how how many times they would have died by, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the uh, traps that uh, you know, the Macaulay answer Culkin's, is a lot. Yeah. Like they did like so many tests, like the paint cans would have crushed their skulls, you know, or setting them on fire or stuff like that. It, it was there's been some really interesting fan theories about this movie how yeah. um that the wet bandits actually died in that uh macaulay culkin's character is actually the devil and he's torturing him in hell and stuff like that <laughs> like there's just some fascinating you know fan yeah. theories about this movie but it's fun it's a fun movie it is yeah yeah and the fact that you know the slapstick over the top you know things that he does doesn't hurt them somehow makes it more innocent until you know you grow up and you start thinking about it yeah he's a little psychopath he's a little psychopath yeah and his parents are absolute failures his parents oh, they're the worst parents <laughs> they lost him two christmases in a row yeah the one wasn't bad enough yeah how do you lose him a second time? Exactly. Uh, you ready for some honorable mentions? If you have them. <laughs> I was going to say, you put Home Alone 2 in your list, so you obviously don't have any yeah, honorable seriously. mentions. seriously. You had a dishonorable mention in at number five. Yeah. Uh, Prairie Home Companion, Robert Altman's last movie. Uh, huge, incredible cast. If you haven't seen that, I'd recommend it. Never heard of it. Pra- Prairie Home? Coming? Prairie Home Companion. Companion. Based on the radio show. Do you know the radio show? No. From Lake Wobegon. No, none of that. Nothing. Doesn't just totally missed your sphere of. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. I don't even know if you're speaking English. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, Jeff, who lives at home? Did you ever see that? That's the. Uh, I want to say not Steve Carell. Uh, who who's in that movie? Jeff, who lives at home, uh, is his name is slipping my brain too. Um, the Jason uh, Jason Segal Jason Siegel yeah yes Siegel yes not Segal that's Steven <laughs> that, yeah that's Steven uh, Ed Helms uh, has a big role in it too yeah um, but yeah it's uh, it's really fascinating good stuff Judy Greer's in it too I always love her oh she's great yeah she does good stuff um, and then Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children I hate that movie do you hate it I hate that movie oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, do you not remember our review of it? No, I didn't even. Are you kidding me? I like I talk about movies so many times. Like I just I didn't even know we had re- reviewed that. Yeah, we did. That was a long time. When did that come out? 26. How long have we been doing this thing, man? <laughs> Dude, I was thinking about when the Good Dinosaur came out and stuff like that. We've been doing the show for almost five years. And now's as good a time as any to mention. This is episode one hundred and ninety-nine. Yeah. By the way, of uh, Sith I really Pop, so we got that, a big number next. I week. thought that Far From Home was going to be episode two hundred. No, but there's nothing next week that's going <laughs> to. We'll do Stranger Things. We'll do Stranger Things season three. Okay. Like a full review for uh, for next week. Well, good. I was afraid that was going to be your buried treasure no, this week. So no, 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 no. I, I, it, that seems like a big enough thing to talk about. Well, absolutely. A, I mean, we'll also talk about Stuber. I think we're both planning on seeing it. Yeah. So, um, 
Uh, so we'll also talk about that next it's week. It's just but. a double feature then for the podcast. When did per- Miss uh, Miss Peregrine's twenty sixteen? Yeah, sixteen. Oh, so it really hasn't been that long. It was three years. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's twenty nineteen. What is this time thing, man? How does it keep moving at the same rate and everything? When did the good dinosaur come out? Can you look that up, Phil? Yeah. The Pixar guy should know this, but I don't, yeah. unfortunately. The very first episode of Sif Pop uh, was a segment on the the podcast Shoe the Dough in the summer of 2012. So Sif hmm. Pop has been happening for seven years. Yeah. Uh, seven years this last month. So 2015 on Good Dinosaur. There you so go. I think that was the year after. So I've been on since 2014. Mm-hmm. Five years. Nicely done, man. Damn. Five years later. You know what you <laughs> yeah, can say? Exactly. It's almost like Sif Pop is your home. <laughs> Uh, and that'll wrap up our uh, movies yeah. with the word home in them. Uh, yeah, that was all I had for the honorable mention. So nice. There we go. Uh, before we head on to our Sif Quest for this week, just a reminder, you can be a member of Sif Pop. Uh, many of our members are watching live right now on YouTube at the Sif Pop YouTube channel. You don't have to be a member to watch on YouTube, but there is extra content there for uh, members at the Patreon. Like so. me pointing at things. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Patreon.com slash Sif pop if you want to be a member by the way we are still giving away at the end of this month the uh, us get out jordan peele two-pack blu-ray mm-hmm. uh, three people will win that we will do a drawing between we've already mentioned a drawing from people who uh, provide sift quests for us but we are also adding to that all Sif Pop members will be in that drawing as well. That's only right, right? Well, yeah, because we can only go- pick, you know, so many for Sif Quests. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and we'll go ahead and open it. I want to clarify this as well, because I think I did say whoever has their Sif Quest read on the podcast. Yeah. Anybody who sends an actual Sif Quest in this month will be entered in that drawing as well. Yeah. So if you want to be in on the drawing for uh, us, get out. Either become a Sif Pop member. It's three bucks a month. There's fun perks like uh, a monthly uh, live hangout, which is actually coming up this week. Um, And then also a bonus episode of the show that happens uh, every week. On this one, we're talking about the... the best, uh, or not the best, but the biggest money makers of all time, uh, playing a guessing game, yeah. uh, trying to guess inflation. what's on the inflation list and the, the worldwide list, all that kind of fun stuff. So just stuff like that we do every week. We do a little extra episode for our members. Um, and now you'll also be in on this giveaway. And then, of course, the other way to get in on the giveaway is to send us a question uh, during a Sift Quest. So thank you to all our members. Like I said, it does start at 3 bucks a month, and it's at patreon.com slash sift pop nice all right let's move on to the sift quest let's do it so this sift quest comes to us uh from ian uh via email and ian will be entered into that drawing for the uh, jordan peele two pack uh here's the question hey i just want to thank you and andrew i work in thermal calibration Cool. Which is awesome, but it can mean sitting in a chair for an hour or two waiting for a pass or fail. Fails are more fun because I get to trace out an issue. Uh, if you say so, Ian. If you say so. <laughs> uh, I learned of your podcast through the Syncast, and now I've listened to every episode at least twice. I wow. love the positive nature of the show and the honesty. Uh, Dicer Ormsby 2020. You don't want that. <laughs> Dicer maybe, but definitely not Ormsby. 
<laughs> Returning to reality, I have a sift quest. Lord of the Rings is my favorite thing ever. I have it tattooed all over my heart. That must have been painful. Uh, what fandoms do you think deserve the treatment Tolkien's works got? And I'm going to say by this question probably means what fandoms do you think deserve that uh, you know that intricate kind of world exploring kind of thing that we've oh, done with that's Tolkien's not how world. I took it. How did you take it? Because that's fine. Because um, like you might be right. From like an entertainment perspective, you know, like this giant trilogy, you know, larger than right. life movie, you know, yeah. adaptation of something. Yes. Yeah. It deserves to be explored in that intricate way. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a great question. I have three choices. How many did you um, decide to go with? Uh, I only had one, but I can come up with others no, 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 off the top of my head easily. Yeah. Um, I'll start then. Uh, I want to talk about Avatar. Uh, and I think we're getting there. But this is one of the best world-building experiences I've ever seen in a movie. And yet it really hasn't been explored um, beyond just the one movie. And yeah. so you know, in, in 10 years, in a decade... I haven't, you know, seen people talk about Avatar novels, or you know, haven't seen an Avatar TV show, or a lot of, you know, I'm sure there's Avatar fan fiction out there somewhere. Sure, but um, but I don't know. It's kind of one of those things where I'm like, man, the world building here like changed people's lives. You, know, you remember people coming out of that movie being like, I, I don't want to live. I don't want to live in the real world. Take me back to Pandora. Yeah. Um. So where everything has two extra legs. It's fascinating to me that it hasn't gotten that same kind of treatment so i wanted yeah. to bring it up first yeah uh what was yours my number one i do have three now oh okay I thought of, yeah. just that quickly you're that good i'm that good <laughs> uh number one it's cheating obviously everybody knows what i'm gonna say it's the dark tower yeah it's got to be the dark yeah tower. the stephen king stuff i would imagine would be the yeah. big thing i um, mean it has gotten a lot of treatment it just hasn't gotten a lot of successful treatment yeah I want it to be done right. Yeah, I hear that. Exactly, yeah. Because the world's... Actually, that they, my second one I have that feeling about, but continue. Yeah. The um, the worlds, not only that this takes place in, but are traveled to in the Dark Tower universe, just the range of possibilities is so exciting. Yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be my pick. It's my favorite thing ever. Um, the uh, Speaking of tattoos of things that you love, I got some Dark Tower <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> Uh, I have no tattoos. No. Do you yet. think I'll ever get a tattoo? No. Okay. No. I don't know, man. Yeah. I can see it happening. Van- uh, vanilla is too exciting for you. <laughs> <laughs> if vanilla no, is, is too, too exciting. exciting. Uh, no, you know, I can see it happening if I want to, you know, honor something forever. You know, if there's something very permanent that I want to honor in some way. I just haven't, I don't, I don't like pain. I'm just not a pain guy. No, just get some lidocaine. Is that, that all you need? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. I'll get one tomorrow. The one um, on my chest here, this big one, mm-hmm. I didn't feel it all because I got some lidocaine. Nicely done. Yeah. I'm smirt. Uh, my uh, example of this that I just want to see done right, um, although they uh, they actually have explored it a little more correctly, but I just want to see more, uh, is The Last Airbender Universe. Um, it is so <laughs> deep and fascinating and interesting. And of course, we do not need to go into the movie that shall not be named uh, from the director I used to love and I'm starting to love again. Um, but uh, but man, the TV show is great. Now, they did uh, go with uh, The Adventures of Korra, 
which is from the same universe. Uh, and that show's really good, too. And the really smart thing they did is they went two generations into the future. So the characters we knew from the first one were all gone. Oh. And it didn't have that kind of thing where you have to include all the characters we love from the first one. But it really built this universe out in a, an interesting way. Is Korra as good as the original Last Airbender? I don't think so. But it is definitely really good. Okay. So um, Is that your favorite anime? Oh, yeah. Really? For sure. Okay. I mean, maybe the only anime I can say I'm a, a fan of. I just oh. I just haven't followed a lot of them. Oh, I, I wouldn't have even known to call it anime. Actually, I just yeah. thought it was an animated show. I'll uh, I'll give you a list. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that I, it's bad. I'm just saying that. I no, got a I know list I know you. there's stuff out there. I just haven't. Um, I'm trying to think if I've ever invested in other anime type stuff. I mean, I have the show the the superhero show. Um, I've watched that. Um, the one you introduced introduced me to where everybody has well some people don't have superpowers and some oh people, my hero academia yeah, my hero academia i didn't introduce you to that that you was didn't? one of our gurus oh okay yeah fair enough and i picked it up because of that guru's recommendation well it's there you amazing go that guru show. deserves honor and we don't remember his yeah. or her name so my second um nomination is actually going to be a lead of battle angel it's an interesting one. It's yeah. a little too recent for me to really consider it in this category yet, but it's definitely great world building. Yeah. Well, I just went from a potential, you yeah. know, like... Absolutely. Oh, I would agree with you there. Man, what they could do with that world is mm-hmm. fascinating. I've never read any of the uh, the mangas, so I don't know, like, what actually could be, you know, taking place, but the possibilities that I see are fascinating and endless, really. Yeah. Yep. Uh, my third. You ready for it? Yep. This is gonna. This I think it's gonna surprise a lot of people. Um, I'm going with the alien movies. Um, what's interesting about the alien world, the way that they've come back to it with Prometheus and Covenant, Covenant is I think there's some really interesting world building going on there. Uh, the first movies didn't do as great, in my opinion, as great a job as with the consistency of world building. They were very much different movies that you know did different things, but they did expand it, and this has become a universe that is really interesting and really fascinating. And I'd love to to know more about. So I think that would surprise a lot of people because I haven't loved those movies necessarily. Yeah, but I have really loved the world building in them. Yeah, I'm the. Uh, I don't like the movies and I don't like the world building. <laughs> that's just me, though. Yeah. Yeah. Number three for sure. me, Halo. Yeah, that's a great answer. That's a really great answer. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be my answer, obviously. But sure. No, that's a, that's a really good answer. No, like video games in general are a good place to look at something like this. Oh yeah, um, just have read reading so many of the books on Halo, you know, like the backstory of the Spartans, mm-hmm. you know, um, the Covenant, the Flood, uh, the, uh, you know, there's just so many possibilities that you could go with uh, the Forerunners, you know, there's just so many story arcs that you can travel and literal worlds that are traveled to, you know, and it's so, the potential there needs to be uh, taken advantage of. Because, mm-hmm. I remember back in like 2014 when the Xbox One was announced, they said Steven Spielberg was going to be making a TV show for Halo. Five years later, I still don't have it. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's trying to, you know, make Netflix mad. Yeah. Yeah, that's his job right now. Um, but yeah, I just think the potential there is, you know, it's it's uh, otherworldly. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, that's a great choice. Yeah. That's a, that's a really great choice. And I'm sure other people would talk about like Bioshock or, you know, some of the other video games that have these in-depth worlds, yeah. you know, becoming explored better in media. Um, I just, I'm not that person. I, although I, I could say that about Zelda, but I feel like the world building just in the video games has been pretty, pretty great. Um, yeah. And, you know, and it had a cartoon. So, yeah. Excuse me, princess. <laughs> Crazy link. Um, so, yeah. So, there you go. Uh, appreciate the question, Ian. If you have a Sift quest for us, all you got to do is email it to us. Uh, feedback at siftpop.com. And again, anybody who emails us a uh, a Sift quest will get in on that drawing. So, and by the way, we have uh, somebody emailed us a video Sift quest. <gasps> Whoa. We'll put that on the screen for those who watch on YouTube. So, but it is an audio podcast still, Andrew, just so you know. You keep saying that, but then you keep mentioning things that people get to see. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the buried treasure. And I'm going to let you go first because I got a big shocker for mine. So, okay. What's your buried treasure for the week? Big Little Lie season two. Yeah. Wow. This show. Yeah. It's, it's great. Season one was amazing. And season two just picks up right where, you know, it all left off. Mm-hmm. Biggest surprise I did not know. Meryl Streep is in it this yeah. season. You didn't realize she was going to be in it? I didn't realize she was going to be in it. And uh, she plays Alex- Alexander Skarsgård's mother. Yeah. And the potential knowing what happens in season one and what that means for this character. Oh, she's... She just cements the fact that she's like the greatest actress ever. I know. I somebody um, who I shall not name. You know who you are. Uh, said something on uh, Twitter about Meryl Streep being overrated, and I was just like, no. Yeah, <laughs> she she gets all the accolades she deserves. Uh, she or all the accolades she gets, she deserves. I should say, yeah. she's so good in it. She's she's so great. She just embodies yeah. characters, and she's doing she's doing things in this show that only Meryl Streep could get away with. Yeah, like you just you she's doing little like ticks and movements of this character, and you know there's there's this moment where she's playing with her necklace on her chin, even as yeah. she's talking, and it's just like for a lot of people that would just feel forced and over the top, and it's just like nope, it just feels like exactly what that character would be doing right now yeah um so yeah i love it i, I yeah. love meryl streep yeah so I rem- much i remember um uh is 2017 when season one came out something like that yeah um we were doing you know we were ranking our performances of the year and every single one of my performances was, <laughs> was all, the, big all the cast members yeah, yeah, from yeah. big little lies <laughs> yeah our tv awards that yeah we do. tv awards yeah, yeah. and uh, i was just like yeah Kravitz, uh, Shiley, uh, all of them. They're just yeah. amazing. I could go through the entire cast and say every single one of them really gives an, an Emmy Award winning performance. Yeah. But I think that, you know, the two big performances this year have to go to Kidman and Streep. Yeah. Oh, man. Laura Dern is off the charts oh, this year. Oh, she is going year. bonkers. <laughs> bonkers. Great. Yeah. It's so much fun. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. I'm glad so you're giving it some what's love. what's this... Uh, world Boy, I think I'm going to shock some treasure. people. Uh, I, I, I don't even, I don't even know if "enjoyed" is the right word. Uh, I uh, had a positive outtake, <laughs> a positive experience. I don't even know, but man, I got good things to say about Midsommar, uh, Ari Aster's new film. Um, this is. Uh, I, I'm curious because you know you and I hate, hate hereditary. Yeah, hered- yeah. I don't like hereditary, hereditary at all. Is it hereditary or heredity? Hereditary. 
Hereditarity. Hereditary. I don't know why I have so much problem with that title. I call it the wrong thing all the time. Uh, probably because I hate the movie. Yeah, uh, it doesn't asks, deserve to be called. Let, let me let me see this. Um, as you saw in whatever his first movie was called, and uh, as you will see in this one again, he his painting palette is the darkest, most disgusting. Mo- like it is just he he likes to paint with the stuff. That, that that other artists aren't willing to paint with yeah. the graphicness of the violence, the graphicness of the sexuality, the nudity, um, you know, all that stuff. He's just like, I'm going to put this in your face and be graphic about this. Having said that, that is the only similarity between these two movies is him painting with those paintbrushes. Uh, this is a movie that is bright colors out in the sunshine. It is a daytime horror movie. Um, and because it is a daytime horror movie, he even more asks you to experience the authenticity of that trauma. Um, this to me is the best metaphor movie I've seen since mother. Um, and uh, what, Mother! Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, it has an excellent. You're absolutely right. I apologize. Yeah. I messed that up totally. Yeah. Uh, the best metaphor movie I've seen since Mother. Yeah. Um. So. So. And I don't. And the thing about Mother is, it's a metaphor movie that is not genuinely meant to be experienced on a literal storytelling level. Uh, this movie allows you to experience it on a literal storytelling level. However, if you're doing that, I think you're having a bad time. I don't. I don't know that this movie. Um, makes complete sense on a literal storytelling level or is satisfying at all on a literal storytelling level. However, if you connect into a metaphor in this movie, it is deep and meaningful and interesting and fascinating. Can you talk about what the metaphor is? For me, this is a metaphor about relationship and trauma. It's a metaphor about what it means to go through a breakup. It's a metaphor about what it means to go through the most traumatic thing in your life and how you handle that. The movie, in many ways, is almost divided into four seasons, which the title kind of indicates, you know, the yeah. idea of midsummer or midsummer, um, as it's called in uh, Sweden. Sweden, where they go um, in this movie. Uh, and because of that, you really get a sense for the seasons of trauma, like the seasons of healing, the seasons of trauma, like what you go through when you, you know, been through something. You know, there's this season where your response is maybe denial or your response is, you know, mourning or um, whatever the case may be. Um, this is a traumatic movie, and a lot of that has to do with how willing Ari Aster is to put that you know stuff in front of you. But I came away from it just going, okay, uh, content-wise, the biggest warnings, the biggest red flags I can ever give, I will give about this movie. Be fair warned, this is a movie that is not shy uh, about being graphic. Um, but... It is also a movie that is not shy about really meaning something. And I just I came away from it going, man, what a what a fascinating way to deal with your demons. Um, And you know what? I've heard people talk about uh, hereditary to T before in that same way. And uh, and I don't get it with that movie. I don't see it at all. And also that movie makes much less sense in a literal uh, like that, that movie has so many literal issues as far as I'm concerned Yeah, uh, that I just can't connect to it anyway. And it's also a dark horror movie, which is my least favorite kind of horror movie where, you know, the scares are coming at you from the, shadow. the shadows. Yeah. Um, and in this movie is the opposite of that. I can see people who like the first movie actually not liking this movie. Um, and Florence Pugh is just whew, 
she's mind blowing in this thing. Who? Uh, Florence Pugh. So it's kind of like a Tony Collette from Hereditary. Yes, you know, the yeah, mind the blowing performance. Yeah, yeah, he gets really and on a technical level. In this, I did say about the first movie. This was my only positive with the first movie. How beautiful it shot. How great he is at shooting. Like he is. He is a he is a real master of the art of the cinema, you know. The, the yeah. color. And because again, this is in the daytime. The way he uses colors, the way he uses special effects in this movie is really interesting. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm as surprised as anybody that I have positive <laughs> things to say about this movie. Um, again, with all the warnings I could pile on, yeah. Uh, you know yourself, but um, but well, yeah. Well, whenever I watched Hereditary, I came away calling it pretentious horror okay you know like people if you love the movie you get to look at the people who don't like it and say well you just don't get it you know <laughs> right yeah. you know you get that smug air sure. about you i think um, this could fit in the same category really i i think it could i think that definitely could be i could be seen as pretentious for saying what i'm saying about this movie no, I, the, I just from what you're saying right now it just sounds like an honest review yeah. as opposed to just saying you don't get it for the sake of right yeah, but it's I, an can ego see, trip. I can see somebody saying that about this movie. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I try not to be that way anyway, just in general. Um, yeah. Don't always succeed, but I try. Uh, but uh, for me, this is, I mean, it's not even a comparison. This is, you know, 20 times the movie I thought Hereditary was. <laughs> you do have difficulty with it. I really it. do. Yeah. I want to call it heredity every time. Yeah. And I don't even, I don't even think that's a word. Is that a word? Heredity? Heredity. What, what, what's your, what's your like DNA? Yeah, heritage heritage <laughs> i don't know my brain does weird listen we all got our brain hiccups it's one of my brain hiccups i don't know why i think heredity is a word i said something the other day and one of my boys corrected me and i've said that word wrong my entire life <laughs> what and i was like i don't even remember what it was and i was like oh you're right that is i've been mispronouncing that for 45 years heredity is a word okay i thought i thought it was yeah so yeah anyways it's not heredity though it's hereditary <laughs> So, I wish I could remember what the word I was my my son corrected me on because I was like, "You're totally right." I have been mispronouncing that my entire life. It's one of those things, right? Yeah, and we all got it. Yeah, aminals, simonals. <laughs> Aaron, we did a podcast. It's a podcast. Woo! It is now considered. It has grown through its life from a baby little idea and has now grown into a full podcast. <laughs> well done, our child podcast. We send you to the world. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or just search for Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thank to Andrew. Huge thanks to Phil. Huge thing. Is that just how it's going to go every week? For I now. mean, I have it written in my notes now, so uh, I won't forget again. But I love this. We can just pass the thank yous all the way around. Yeah. Just have a never-ending circle of thank yous. Yeah. Uh, but before you deflect it, thank you so much for coming in again. If you want to check out Andrew on social media, uh, go to at Flick Freaks. You can... Um, look at my most recent two-month-old te- uh, tweet <laughs> i've been noticing you've been like you've been using more your like andrew ormsby twitter than you have your flick freaks twitter i haven't used that at all oh i saw you like something as andrew Ormsby. maybe it was just a mistake or maybe i miss saw I, haven't, it. I haven't been on that account in like 
eight months. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I must have just missed seen. Anyways, at Flick Freaks is where you want to go hang out with Andrew uh, on the socials. Yeah, I'm uh, much more frequent on there. And Two as months. Andrew said, uh, thank you so much to producer Phil, who is live producing this show now, both video and audio. He is the king. VIP. Uh, and makes this show happen. So thank you, producer Phil. We appreciate you. And uh, and if you want to go check out the YouTube show, we would love that. That's awesome. Uh, much love and great gratitude to our Patreon supporters, our Sif Pop members, for helping make this a real thing. Support starts at three bucks a month. You get access to every bonus episode as well as some other fun perks, including a monthly video hangout. Uh, you've been helping us expand in 2019 to some fun new areas. Thank you for that, including the videos. Uh, so again, go subscribe to the YouTube. Uh, you can find out more at patreon.com slash siftpop. Lots of ways to connect with the podcast. Uh, wherever you listen, you can leave a comment or rate it. Uh, if you're at Apple Podcasts, throw some stars our way. We would appreciate that as well. Uh, you can also email us, feedback at siftpop.com. And finally, if you're having a great time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too. I'm C Make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than having a super cool first kiss. Uh, spoiler chat for Spider-Man Far From Home. It'll be next up in your podcast feed, and we'll be back next week to talk about Stranger Things Season 3 and maybe a little bit of Stuber. Woo! Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.